0: Welcome, everybody, to the Tribe Craftsman More Hands, Less Machines podcast. This is your host, Brandon O'Dell. Thank you for stopping in. As always, our mission at the Tribe Craftsman is to revive the handcrafted culture by bringing craftsmen together, telling their stories, and offering their functional works of art. We offer their crafts on our website, thetribecraftsman.com, as well as our Facebook and Instagram pages. And here on the More Hands, Less Machines podcast, this is where we tell their stories. Thank you for stopping in, super excited today. This is actually our very first episode, uh, which in fact was recorded about a year ago today exactly. Uh, It took me a little bit to get it off the ground, but here we are. Uh, Today we are joined by a super talented artist and overall amazing guy, Michael Spaniers. Uh, We talk a little bit about his childhood, his art, Italy, running a business, and we do a little speed dating at the end. So it's a great conversation, I'm honored with the opportunity to have him on the podcast Episode one, Michael Spaniards.
1: The tribe craftsmen is a guild of craftsmen from the far reaching corners of the world, each with our own history, our own heritage, and our own experiences. Some come from the great plains of the U.S. Others come from the highlands of Scotland to the mountains of the Czech Republic. However, we have one thing in common. We are craftsmen. Just as poets must write and warriors must battle, craftsmen must create. Our crafts, techniques, and styles are not all the same, yet we have come together as one to share our creations and to share our stories. Welcome to the More Hands, Less Machines podcast.
0: All right. Hey, everybody. We're here with Michael Spaniers. Michael, how's it going, my man? Good. Good to be here. Yeah, we're in, well, not quite freezing cold, but yeah. snowing Minnesota, huh? Yep. Uh, I haven't started talking funny yet, but I've heard some <laughs> little dialects going on around here. Don't you know? <laughs> yep. <Yeah>. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So I got a lot of stuff I want to get into, uh, but let's just start off a little bit. T- tell me a little bit about uh, wh- what you would say. You know, I know you do some leather work. You're a little bit of uh, uh, an artist. What do you consider yourself? Do you call yourself an artist or?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's I started out doing design and now I do leather and I've always been an artist like the fine artist per se. I started out when I went to college. I wanted to be like an oil painter, like a, a master I studied in Italy and everything for a long time. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like in Italy? Well, I was there with my fiance for like a month. Awesome. And that's kind of when my my view on art changed. Yeah. You know, I was really uh, I saw like a bunch of Da Vinci's drawings, and I was always more interested in drawings than finished work. Like the process involved with art is what I what I like. Um, that's interesting. I didn't know about the oil painting. So uh, yeah. You know, I've had people, you
0: know, a little bit of art, I've done the little comment on a social media post or something, and they'll be like, oh, you're such an artist. And, like, when I hear people say, <laughs> like, I'm not an artist. Like, I'm just a super stubborn, relentless kind of, I'm just going to keep going until I get kind of what I want. Um, you know, some people, like yourself, I know, can draw out exactly what you have in your mind, and then you can go create it. I can't draw it. Like, yeah. I'm just starting to put it together and hope it ends up where it is. So if, if anybody's uh, – seeing Michael's work, they know what I'm talking about. I mean, you can literally pick up a pencil and and pretty much take things out of your mind and put them right on paper, yeah. right? And have, did you get as far as doing that with oil paint, or are you kind
2: of... Yeah, it... I mean, I really was into it for a while. I mean, I did portraits, like, self-portraits of myself on, like, armor, like, Renaissance, because I was so... Nice. I was so into that, like... The quality of oil painting, like, when you go to a museum, like, it's so regal, and just, like, the colors that they could achieve, like a Rembrandt or... You know, where it's like you see light actually emanating from the painting. Like, there's so many things that I feel like with modern art that you don't get. Yeah. When it was, because most of it's created by the computer, right? And, yeah. Yeah. And I'm all, I'm all in digital. I go both. I've taught yeah. myself both. I mean, even when I design, I design with my, I know how to use the left hand, so, and I draw with my right. And I always did that, because when I was in college, my teacher said, try to do that. I said, if you hurt a hand, I can still make money. And that's the way I've always been. Really? So I can do both, but I always, I'm analog, or I'm digital with my left hand and analog with my right hand. So eventually, um, you know, you've started
0: off along those tracks, and then you kind of veered towards more
2: hands-on leather work, and... Yep. I I got into leather work um, mainly because I wanted, like a lot of guys, I wanted leather sheaths for my knives, because I'm obviously a knife collector, and hence well how you and I met, and, you know, I've met a lot of great people through that, and...
0: So be- before you go any farther, yeah. like
2: I'm wondering, if, I'm curious if you're similar to me. The, re- the
0: reason why I eventually got into leather is because I saw a particular leather sheath I wanted, and I couldn't find anybody making. I'm like, well, then I'll try to make it. Yep. You know, of course, my skill level wasn't at a place where I could achieve that. But is was it a similar situation for you? Yeah. yeah. And, and what was what would you have on your eye on that you, that you just
2: wanted to create? Um, I started getting in. You know, a lot of custom makers don't make sheaths, which I could, you know, and I I got a, and then I was like, all right. And then I went to uh, – I started out like all of us do, I think, where you go to, like, Michael's or one of those craft stores mm-hmm. where they've got the real low-grade supplies. Yeah. You know, and it's like I started – the first thing I made was, like, was super glue, and it was, like – I. <laughs> it's, like oh – <laughs> it's horrendous the things you start with. You right. know what I mean? Like – and then you show it to someone, they're like, oh, that's great. And then you're thinking to yourself, I made this with super glue and, like, really bad leather, you Right. Know? And then you have people that look at it and be like, well, that's 10 times better than the first one yeah. I made, right? Yeah. But you're still not satisfied with it, right? Like, No. And I just kept at it. And then I started also doing at the same time. I did a lot of wood burning. I did, like, axe handle designs for people and stuff like that because mm-hmm. I wanted to use all of the creative skills I felt that I had because a lot of this came to, like, when I left college, I was super bent on being, like, a Painter, and I want to be a conceptual designer for games and stuff like that because I can just draw out of my head. And then realize I had to move to California and I had to do all the stuff, and it was very daunting to think about because I'm a nature guy, I like the Midwest, you know. Yeah, so and I've kind of always been in the knives, an was, artist in the Midwest. Yeah. Huh? There's something to be said for that, right? It's true, it's <laughs> true. I don't really fit the mold, I never did. Yeah, even in high school, like I didn't play football, I was like one of the biggest guys, and I just
0: does that bother you? I, I've noticed what yeah, we know. Does. Everybody refers to you as Big Mike. And if you don't know, Mike's, what, 6'8 or so?
2: 6'7, yeah, I go about 400 pounds, yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, he's a huge guy. Like, if you want to uh, start your own Viking show, like, this is the guy that you, you'd want to fill the role right yeah, away. Yeah, uh, But th- th- does it get a little old? Like, everybody
2: yeah. just Big Mike, Big Mike, you're like, well, I offer a lot more than that. And I, mean. I think the people, like, in the knife industry, people that have gotten to know me, they know that. Like, you've gotten to know me, and you know that. Yeah. There's a little bit more there. But I have to fight that off quite a bit. Yeah, I,
0: I, th- I think there's something to be said that uh, the average person looks at somebody like your size and and maybe they, it's like you're so imposing that they don't believe that you have any emotional concept, you know, that you have your own feelings, oh, right? Like, maybe I yeah. don't want to be referred to that every time you see yeah. me. There's a little more to me than absolutely, that, right? Absolutely, yeah. I, 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 could, I can definitely see that and... and um
2: sympathize with that a little bit and, I, and also with a lot of lot bigger guys like me i'm really the last guy you have to worry about as far as like i mean i get to my point where i get aggravated by things but right if you're in a, a crowded bar because i did security too to get me through college and i'm the last person that you want you need to worry about started any problems or you know. right but you know any, anytime hollywood
0: fills a role right they go with somebody that's imposing like you and yeah. they, they kind of build this mystique around what your attitude and you know, personality might be like. So I, I can definitely see that. And and then when you start talking about oil painting and, you know, drawing, yeah. it's like, well, this isn't the dude, yeah. you know, that's going to be doing that. Right. So yeah. it's pretty unique. I think it, maybe not as unique as people think it would be. Yeah. But in your scenario, you probably had to fight that quite a bit. Oh, yeah.
2: It's, even when I went to college here, it was hard because, I mean, Minneapolis is like hipster capital. I mean, it is. And when I went to college, yeah, there was great people, but there's definitely cliques and – Yeah. You know, I wasn't the skinny fit, uh, you know, bohemian kind of guy, I guess. I don't really know how to say that. You know, it's... Yeah. I wore all black, and I carried a bucket full of charcoal around, and I was doing these (laughs) huge, huge drawings with charcoal, like wall-sized drawings. Yeah. Like, just, you know, I I was a visceral artist, you would say. Like, I'd be all sweaty. I'd have charcoal on me. But, I mean, that's the kind of work that I made. I made giant drawings when I, you know, among other things. So, I mean, I was kind of always against the grain... But yet, I would, you know, come into my studio when I was, like, a, a senior, junior, senior in college at MCAD, and people would be in my studio looking at all my work because I just had my work plastered all over. And he's like, people are always in your studio looking at your work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even not people take stuff. It's like, I guess I should be flattered by that. I mean, I don't, you know. Yeah.
0: The, like, were you like this all growing up, pretty arts. Like, did, were your parents supportive of that, or, uh, or were they, like, I was, get
2: a real job kind of thing? no. I was just raised by my mom and my grandparents. I never had a dad, so which is fine. I mean, it was it's affected me now later, but then I didn't. My mom worked like two or three jobs. She's worked really hard, so I was alone a lot. So I just would draw on my imagination, and that's pretty much what I did. My mom would let me draw on the walls, so I drew like Spider Man on my wall in pencil, and I all my walls were like, covered in pencil drawings and like. So she was pretty supportive. Yeah, oh, I had a great family for that.
0: Do you feel like that was an outlet for you in some way or just yeah. something you really. No, it was an outlet. See, because when I started analyzing myself and my family, it's like some. I don't feel like you ever thought about it in depth when you were going through it. But as you get older, you look back and you realize how it's molded oh, yeah. you and
2: affected you. Totally. And how
0: maybe if it was different, how you could have potentially been different. right? I mean,
2: I could have been. I mean, I, I hate to use this term, but I could have. Played football and just been that big jack douche and been like what everybody wanted me to be. Right. But with my art and my grandma, really, you know, she didn't want me playing football because of my knee. She always say, you know, just she's worried artist. about. Yeah, I mean, and and I and I lived with them for a long time, and that was like the best time of my life, and it was very peaceful, and I would just draw, and my grandma support, even though I was drawing. I went through a phase where I was just drawing like pinup girls and like naked sci-fi girls, and
3: <laughs> grandma was still supportive. Yeah, people
2: would come over, and grandma, would, and then the guys would come and be like, "Wow, he can really draw boobs, really good." <laughs> so, nice, but she always supported it. Yeah, you know, she never she never said don't do that, and and yeah, it was great. I mean, it was.
0: Yeah, I can I can definitely relate uh, not to the drawing boobs, yeah. But
2: to my, <laughs> my
0: grandma was super supportive too to the fact I like I can honestly not ever remember her saying. A negative word and I catch myself now being judgmental or, or wanting to voice my opinion I'm thinking grandma never did that yeah. you know and, and you can impose your opinion you can try to convince somebody or you can try to change their opinion but if you really um want a friendship or you really want to be viewed as somebody influential in their life you almost get farther by taking the grandma approach than you do you know but
2: absolutely it's taken me a
0: long time to realize that because I just want to like hammer home like no you need to listen you know you know, I know what's right. You don't know what's right, and sometimes just being loved—you know by grandma is all you, all you really need, yeah, right? It, it was. Yeah, I can relate to that. So, uh, let's go back a little bit. So, the company, like the, your artist company, is a spirit of the bear. Yeah, is that, so correct.
2: Where'd that come from? Uh, I think it came from when I was uh, when I first started. Like my my kids, my one son used to call me a big bear because I have a beard, and they've never seen me without a beard, and they don't want to, and. I don't know. I mean, I like the bear, because I, I always thought it embodied, like, it's a very large, uh, you know, it can be kind of scary in nature, but it's also very quiet, and it it hibernates in its reserve, and I'm kind of like that, where it's like, yeah. I'm just trying to do my thing. I'm in the woods. Just let me do my thing, and you do your thing, and if you come into my space and cause problems, well, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a weird analogy. Maybe but, the bear would wake up at yeah, that time. I mean. It's it's like it's like I always felt like it's being a bigger guy and having all the power and I never really use it, which I'm okay with. But then I have all this artistic stuff that just comes out of me where I just sit down and I just make stuff. I don't think about it like as much as you would think. Like I just do it. It's it's hard to explain. So you so you don't necessarily sit down and say well, I want to design the newest
0: knife sheet. You just
2: kind of sit down and wherever your mind goes and yeah. that's it comes I out. Mean, and s- sometimes people don't believe this i'll put the knife on the leather and i'll just draw the pattern and make it without making it out of paper i just go right on the leather and don't even i just skip all the steps really and sometimes it turns out really good most of the time it does sometimes it doesn't yeah but as we know the best part about being a good craftsman is being able to hide your mistakes if no one sees them then they didn't happen so you, you feel like in some ways if you if you
0: were in that instance if you were to slow down and go the pattern route that maybe you would lose the the
2: element of you get too caught up in the yeah. perfection of the pattern. And that's something that I've always had a problem with is that people get so caught up in minute details. They don't look at the whole thing. And I think a lot of sheath makers too, it's like, they're so worried about the aesthetic, but then I always think about how is the person going to wear it? How are they going to use it? Is it, going to be something to show off? Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I, I definitely think that's true. Uh,
0: some people get so caught up in how it looks and the aesthetics of it. And then, and then the usage, you know, is, is maybe not there. Yeah. It doesn't wear right. Doesn't yep. it doesn't fit right, and and then basically you got a really nice looking paperweight that nobody would ever practically, yeah. you know, probably use in the well, field. Well, and
2: I think you and I too, because we've been around a lot of knives, and that a lot of guys don't use them. You get True. to the point where it's like you have a couple knives that you really love, and those those are the ones you'd want. And then there's some guys that make the most exquisite things because they know it's just going to sit in a safe, and they're going to show it off to their friends, and that's okay too. I right. Mean. So. Uh, I
0: know I have an answer, but this yeah. ain't about me. This is about you. So I'm interested to see what you say um, when you're actually in the process of the whole process from design to the actual, you know, the build. Mm-hmm. Um, as you partake in that, like, what do you, what goes through your mind? What do you think? Are are you thinking about the end user? Are you thinking about a time and a space where this might belong? Um, is there anything that goes through your mind, you know, during the process of the build?
2: Yeah, I, A lot of my customers are, I end up being repeat customers and it's like you get to know the people that you're working with but then you get people that they don't really know what they want and they just start telling you just to do whatever you want and that kind of scares me because when you don't know a person and their personality and they say well just do whatever you want and then you do it and they're like oh I didn't think it was going to look like that and it's like
0: yeah, it's, it's always a battle between the yeah, yeah. overly pushy, you know, really demanding guy versus the free, which scares you just yeah. as much, right? Yeah. Well, I know for a fact, like sometimes when I'm, I'm making stuff, especially for a, um, uh, you know, a, a custom order or whatever, yeah. you're thinking about that person and you're, you're worried about whether they're going to like it. But sometimes um, I'll be working on a piece and, and and I'll see like a moment in time where I think this might belong. Like that, I don't know if you saw that duffel bag that yeah. I finished. Yeah. So the whole time I was thinking that my, my uh, wife has um was watching this show. I think it's called. Um is it the Highlander or
2: what? Oh, the Outlander? The Outlander, yeah. Oh, man, my what, yeah. So,
0: and I I watched the first episode with her, and then, like, six months later, she sat down, and it was the same first episode again. So I've never, I don't think past, but I remember, like, this scene where they are I think it was the first episode where they were, like, riding in a train car yeah. or a fancy car or something, and and they were like, the Scottish, and I could just see this duffel bag, like, sitting on the car seat. Like, there's, like, this nostalgic feel to this, Like, the bag looked like it belonged hundreds of years ago. And that's what I was thinking about when I was making it. And and I think I pulled it off a little bit in that bag, but the one thing I admire about your work is your work always seems like it came from another time or place, and there's always a nostalgic feel. And I I try to pull that off, and I'm not successful most of the time. Um, Some of it has, like, a Tolkien kind of feel. Some of it's a a Viking kind of feel.
2: All that's a huge influence. You think about that when you're doing that? Yeah, and and this is going to get you – a lot of times in the last year I've been making sheets. I'm listening to Dark Tower from Stephen King. Mm-hmm. And that is, I have to admit, that is a huge, it's influenced me a lot. Because the characters in that, I mean, I don't know if you listen to audiobooks ever when you're working. But I do it all the time because I'm a visual learner. But I, when I'm hearing and I'm working, I I, re, uh, I keep the information really well. I don't know what the word for that is. But, like, you, you retain it. I retain it well, yes, while I'm working. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I, I have no scientific proof for this, but I do. I do sincerely believe that there's something uh, that translates from your ears to your hands when you're working with your hands, and when you're listening to that stuff, there, there's some trans, something that that yeah. takes place there, and uh, I can see it in your work. Probably, um, and I'm hoping we'll, we'll be able to offer uh, one at the tribe. Cause I, th- I would like to get it out in people's hands, but specifically I really like those notebooks you make. Oh, like everybody can make a notebook, right? Like a leather bound book, but
2: some of those, you know, they just look like they came from another time. I, make, place. I try to make them all different. I know yeah. that's, yeah, it's, it's not always easy, but I know with you, what I want to do with you is I want to make like a, a series and I want to kind of do something where they could be like possibly based on animals. And then I would include a drawing in the book. So it'll be like a theme book. So like, if you like birds, or it could be anything. It could be like a Viking theme, or it's like so when they pick nice. that book up, it'll have that feel, you know? Yeah, I I've had
0: similar ideas, but not the skill set to pull it off. <laughs> You're right. So there's something to be. It's like a 1,200 square foot house, right? There's only so many ways you can do a 1,200 square yep. foot house. There's only so many ways to make a journal field cover book. But I I feel like you you do really well with that, and I like to see those kind oh, of I things. Appreciate that. Yeah, coming I, out.
2: And I think being an artist. I feel like, cause I have so many, I have them laying all over and I just randomly will draw things or write in them. And I feel like a lot of people that collect those and use those, there's something about them. They're very timeless, like you said, and mm-hmm. you can get those to a gift to almost anybody. And then they can use it in the way they want to for their groceries. If you draw, you draw, if you, you know, if you just want to write. Right. You know, Yeah, they're an amazing thing. I mean, it's an amazing tool. I right? like the more mid-sized, you know, I know for a while the, the field notes was pretty
0: popular but my, my handwriting's not that good, and I never feel organized when I'm, like, scribbling on, like, a 4 by 4 pad. Like, I want, it, I want it to be open where I can move a little bit. It's yeah. just like, a
2: spatial thing with me, I guess. I think the one project that I wanted to do, and I was, it's funny, we can just talk about it with you, is I wanted to make this wood stand, because out of this all that black walnut I have, and I want to make, like, a giant book. So, like, like, you see in a movie where, like, a wizard opens this book, and it has, like, all this weight, and it's, like, yeah. and dust flies everywhere, and it's, like, you're paging through and there's always like beautiful drawings and like, I want to make something like that. That's like a, a goal of mine to make before I get too old. Is like, like a wooden stand for a book. Yeah. Make yeah. the book, make the stand and fill it full of drawings. And I've already nice. kind of started on that, but that's like an end project for me. So when you come in and they put me in the ground, that book will be there for people to look at. Nice. That's kind of something that for myself, like a personal project that I've always wanted to do.
0: Yeah. So, sometimes like setting the stage in the environment helps, um, bring the authenticity or, um, y- y- you, know, it could, it brings something to the effect of the item, right? Um, I always like some of those medieval, uh, movies and stuff they are on TV. You know, you always see the, the, the guy in the stone room with a candle and he's working over like the, uh, Oh yeah. The scrolls or whatever, you know, and it's like the, the importance of those items is like magnified as opposed to if you just walk in and you got sports illustrated on the coffee table and the book sitting there yeah. like so so what you're talking about like the appearance and the presentation of it would really
3: kind exactly. of draw your eye to i like i like and that.
2: that's what i try to achieve it's when we're talking about is that i really want my work to have a presence and that's what i try to do so when they get it when people get it it's like kind of like the feeling when you get a custom knife when you get a knife that really fits your hand and you're just like you look at it and it's like becomes part of you when i make things i try and think that way of the object Mm -hmm. i can't do it every time and i drop the ball sometimes like we all do and you know i've let some people down with things but i always try to do that as best that i can yeah and and it can be really exhausting like i have a project now i'm working on making a sword sheath for a guy and sometimes things sit and i look at them and i don't know how to start it and it just sits there and i feel horrible and it's like taking longer than i said but i won't start working on it until i'm ready because then i'll do stuff i don't want to do
3: yeah.
0: And, and some makers don't understand that. They're no, right. and like, it's well, I got a schedule and it's the next thing up. And sometimes the next thing, that's not where you want to be, right? Like yeah. you want to be in the spot where the artist is
2: ready to take on that project. Right. And it's a little selfish. I admit being an artist like that is selfish and I'm selfish that way. And I can admit that. And that's okay. I'm all right with that. And that's why I don't charge up front because if I take a month or two months longer, I don't charge you so that you're not, and yeah. I will happily send whatever they back and I work with people and I always have. Yeah. It's just part of me being what I've done. I mean, it, it just happens sometimes. And sometimes you get it. The day I get a knife, I'll be like, wow. And the, she's done in a day. I blast it out. And I've got one sitting there. I can't help it. It's just, it's. Yeah. So let's go. Uh, before, we, I want to yeah. talk about pricing because
3: I, yeah. I
0: think that would be helpful to some of the listeners. But um, going back to presentation, I've been thinking about this lately. You know, a lot of the stuff that that we uh, provide through the tribe um, you know, I box it up. I try to wrap it up really well, and then I usually wrap the box in duct tape because I had a couple issues where boxes were getting beat up a little bit. And I found duct tape, although not the cheapest, if I just duct tape the crap out of it, the box was getting there in one piece. But then, you know, I've been thinking along the lines of what we were just talking about is, you know, you can literally send an eight, nine thousand dollar knife to somebody in a duct tape duct tape box. You're not exactly getting the warm and fuzzies when yep. when it shows up, especially when you're starting. Um, to get to higher end bags and totes to women or whatever, they, you know they're used to getting stuff that where the, it's presented really well when they open it, right? Yeah. So I've been thinking. Um, I've seen some mediocre work that has been delivered in excellent packaging, and sometimes it seems like it brings it up to another oh, yeah. level. Have you I, thought about yes. doing
2: some unique packaging? And I'm gonna be the first to say. You know how many makers marks I've designed for people? I don't even have one of my own. That's that. You're right, a-
0: including ours. You helped with yeah, the try. I mean, it's thank
2: you. Yeah, and I've done all these logos for people. You see, and it's like,
3: <laughs> you and just, I don't even have mine done. You're like the
2: mechanic that doesn't have oh a truck God. that runs. It's, on, right, it's <laughs> it's really bad. I mean, it's have I'm you both, thought about it? Like, yeah, now I am okay i, I re, i'm rebranding spirit of the bear it's gonna be spirit of the bear but i'm gonna have a giveaway come in and i'm gonna give away a knife a journal and a custom sheath. it's gonna be my give all three items nice um instagram has been really good for me i'm not gonna lie i love instagram better than facebook because there's no politics on instagram mostly it's just here's the picture and people look at my work oh yeah all this here's my work there's not me it's just my work and i love that
3: yeah so
2: I, yeah i was kind of a, a
0: late uh adopter for for instagram too but i find that i really liked especially for for what we would call i guess business purposes yeah. it's more straight to the point you get the picture you put in there and, and it's not so um i feel like facebook's really getting oh, look at me look at me in terms of personal life and other and then it's all politics and stuff mm-hmm. that you know nobody wants to look at but um let's move forward okay um and talk, you know, you you mentioned briefly pricing. and This is always a question I get a lot, you know, it, running the tribe is, well, where did you come up with that price and how are they pricing that? And it seems like everybody has their own strategy, yeah. right? And sometimes I think it is pretty difficult to put a price, especially on your own work. Like I, people will come and ask me, well, what do you think is worth it? I can usually come up with a number that's pretty reasonable. Um, sometimes it's really hard to price your own stuff, right? Because you got your blood, sweat, and tears. Sometimes you've ran over on hours to really probably yeah, what you totally. can, you know, yeah, you especially can't. early on when you build, you see somebody else make something and they're charging, say, $300 and you're thinking, well, mine's just as good. Um, but then it took you three times as long. That doesn't necessarily mean you get a charge three times as much or does it? What do you think? Um,
2: I kind of learned a little bit about pricing from Aaron, Aaron Sybrandt, who's With most the, Aaron, because, you know, he's an amazing leather maker. Everyone knows right. that, that knows his technical skill, his, I mean, he taught me so much and
0: he, he wrote, uh, NC custom, NC custom mother. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean the guys, technically he's one of the better sheath makers and I've looked at a lot of sheaths and he is, I mean, he's,
0: he's just, got a really clean finish. He's uh, just uh,
2: got that eye too. Like he's, you know, he knows his tools and, and that's to be said about a craftsman as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I was way underpricing pricing before I met him and granted, I don't, I can't justify charging what he does because I'm not at that level, even though our work is totally different. I have a hard time, what's starting to bother me is people want stuff and then they're like, and then, how do I explain this correctly? You can go to, like, uh, an online company and there's uh, bigger companies that make, like, those leather sheets that are, like, 40 bucks and they look okay. Yeah. And, and it's, like, if people are used to that and then they're, like, well, I want you to make custom sheath for my knife. And then, first of all, it's, like, well, you have to mail me your knife because and they're, like, why do I have to mail it? I've dealt with that. And it's, like, well, then you're at two shipping charges each way. Right. So you average that 10 to 15 bucks just to be safe. And I get to the point where it's, like, for me to even make something, it's, like, I got, I start at, like, 75 I don't even want to, like, make something for less than seventy. Yeah. Does that makes sense. Sheath wise, yeah, especially. Yeah, sh- when the shipping's
0: sixty like, percent of the cost, or you know what? Yeah, I, I get that a lot, and this is a conversation that comes up a lot when I meet with craftsmen. Is talking about that, and and um, they have to, they have to appreciate your style. They have to appreciate the craftsmanship, and mm-hmm. a lot of us, including yourself, I believe, still so hand sewing and doing. You know, yeah. they.
2: I, well, I have a Cobra now. I'm not going to
0: lie. Do you? I still hand sew, but I love my Cobra, I, so I use both. Yeah. Okay. Um. Which, you know, the motto uh, here at the Tribe is more hands, less machines. Yep. It's not more hands, no machines. And that's a whole other conversation. People think that, you know, especially with custom makers, the steel they're buying from Jersey Steel, that's already been put through the machine. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's not like they're out there forging, uh, you know, um, from the ground. Yep. But um, either way, it's not a large um assembly line construction no. from china or somewhere right yeah, exactly. and if you just want a bag or you just want a generic sheath or whatever you can go to walmart or you can get online you can buy a sheath for 40 and if that's what you're wanting you probably came to the wrong spot right but if you're wanting something that somebody's putting their heart and soul in you're gonna have to pony up and pay for it totally right? absolutely and, uh, i think you usually uh, i know i can you probably came too within the first five minutes of the conversation you know if yeah. if this guy is interested in that or we're not right and
2: honestly and i've gotten good and i know enough people i'll send people to other people and i get people that send customers to me yeah because they want something crazy and they're like "Oh, have see if michael do it and i'm like all right well i do that because i don't mind to 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 push the boundaries of you know i just don't because part of it has to do with with uh you know because the design is slow right now for me and it's like well i'll take in work you know yeah I feel bad sometimes if another maker can't or, you know, it's like I don't want to take. Because, I mean, I feel like there's enough on the market for everyone to stay busy. I really do. I mean.
0: And everybody has a different style. Like, speci- If you're looking for a sheet specifically, right? Yeah. Like, everybody, you know, has a pretty unique style for the most part. And you know what you're going to get by ordering from it. And if you see something you like, then you can go yeah. to the guy yeah. that you want. Um, I much prefer that. And I've done the same thing as referring instead of saying, well, they want you to copy you know, you know, one of Mike's sheets. Somebody comes to me and says, "Will you make this sheet that Mike?" Made? I'm like, "Well, why don't you just go to Mike again? Yeah, yeah. Like, Mike can do it for you before yeah. uh, better than I can, right?" And you know, th- there's the whole. We could get into the whole argument of copying and work and what designs, and you know, there's only so many designs, and everybody tweaked it's a true. little bit of everything. It's true, uh, but there, you should give credit. Um, it, it can get a little bit difficult on social media because it maybe it gets reposted two or three times, uh, or you post it again a year later, and maybe the credit's not given. You know, and people are like. It's just more drama than I'd like to get into, but for the most part, I think the message is: is if somebody brings a picture to you of something, and and it's a pretty small world, especially in the knife. Yeah, you know, it's like
2: well, just go to Mike. Have yeah. Mike make one for you, right? I get that a lot too. Like, say inlays, they're not my thing. I can do them. Mm-hmm. The best inlays I've seen are Aaron, so I send them to Aaron. That's yeah. just you know, it just depends on. And there's other knife makers overseas that I know too that just do amazing work. And like you said, and we're getting back. There's enough of us and enough people making that. I mean, we can all ha- stay busy. We really can Yeah. So back to the qu- original question. I mean, do you have a formula? Are you saying,
0: well, if this is going to take me 10 hours, I'm charging $50 an hour? Or I've you been, say, go ahead. Or, or, or is it that plus, hey, we're using high-end materials that are going to cost me?
2: Yeah. And also the thing with me, when you get into it too, is like, if I'm making custom art, because I tool it sometimes or I'll use my laser, I like the laser, even though it's not, Much hand it is to me because I still do the drawing, the original art. I scan the drawing in. I have to set it up. It's like that's a whole process. Just that people think, oh, you just let. No, I have to measure it, custom make a template, scan the template in, line it up with the thing, make the art. I mean, it's like it's a lot of work involved in that. And I like to talk about. And it's an expensive machine too, right? Like it's like
0: you don't go down to Walmart and buy that for one hundred and fifty dollars, right? Yeah. Well, I think there's certain people that are always going to try to uh, belittle, you know, certain things or or question certain things. Um, one of the makers I I like to follow is um, Alex from Black Raven. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. You know. Oh, absolutely. And he is adamant. You know, for those of you that haven't, um, you should Google uh, Black Raven Armory because they're amazing. Yeah. Um, but he's adamant. He he says I figure out what I got in it and how many hours, and then I that's what I price. He says the majority of people out there are pricing what they think they can get, instead of pricing what they have in it and what they need to get out of it. Um, I will preface that with that's easy to say when you're doing amazing work,
2: Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> so he's kind I, of at the top. Yeah, least, I've spent some
0: know. 30 hours on some stuff. I'm thinking uh, if I charge five dollars an hour, I'm probably overpriced it, right? Um, but but I I do think that's the right mentality. Like if you just go into it thinking, well, you know, I got two weeks worth of work and I'm using high end materials and. You know, I'm wondering if I could get $60 for it. That's probably not the right mentality. You know, you put it on the shelf until you find somebody that's, you know, willing to pony up and pay for it. Absolutely. Um,
2: otherwise, uh, you know, materials aren't cheap these no. days, right? Like, it seems like everything is going up. And also what I've what i found, maybe you do this, I hate throwing leather away. I have a problem. Lots of, lots of guys have huge scrap ends. I make stuff for myself. I will use every freaking nasty-ass <laughs> piece of leather. Right. And I make that stuff for myself because it's something about just – I feel like I just can't waste it. Yeah. And the customers get the Herman Oak. They get the beautiful – I you know, they get the nice stuff, and then I use, like, the Tandy crap. You know, Yeah. I'm sorry if you use Tandy. I don't – I just meant – I started out with Tandy, and now I only use Herman Oak from Springfield because it's the best dyeing leather that I find, and I use Pro Dyes. If you're working with leather, buy the Pro Dyes. What do you the think the difference doubt.
0: is? People ask me this, too. You're talking um, – Fry beans, yeah, um, pro dye fiblings, yeah, fiblings, yeah, yep.
2: sorry. Uh, what do you think the difference is? Uh, for one thing, and uh, and actually, Aaron showed me this is the regular brand they have. If you layer the dye, it gets that weird iridescent sheen to it, yeah. Where the pro dye, the pro dye black, I'll oil the Herman Oak first or the leather with Neat's Feet, let it dry, and you get a such a beautiful black It's clean. And then I oil it again, and I buff it with canvas, and it's like. It's beautiful, throughout. rich black, you know, yeah. that's, like, it's deep. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I've
0: been using that for a year. I still can't pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but you know, I think maybe it's a little bit cheaper, right? It's In the, in the long run, it's probably not. I always yeah.
2: – I start out that way, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. There really isn't. I mean, like I said, I use super glue and was using scraps from from Michael's. Mm-hmm. You know, and then gradually, you know. I'll tell you what I've noticed um, from my own
0: experience is, you know, some of those bags and stuff that I'm making, I'm using – have, you know, large pieces oh, of leather. Yeah. And if you have a small little shop and you got the little, you know, 30 inch mat or whatever you're working with, sometimes you've got to cut a piece off just to be able to manage the piece oh, you're I working know. with. And you, you end up wasting so much leather. I'm thinking if you just had a bigger spot, sometimes you're moving to the kitchen table, Yeah, you know, right now we're sitting in your, your workshop here. Um, you have a lot more room where you can lay it out and you, you know, you can set the template and you can maximize you know, the leather, uh, some guys are working in much more restricted oh, yeah. areas. And it, what happens is in up costing them more money leather yep. because they can't manage a piece that big. They have to scale it down to be able to start.
2: And also it gets to a point where as an artist, and I've learned this too, it's like your, your tools will restrict your growth after a while. It's unfortunate, but
0: yeah, you know, there's guys that take all their profit and put it back into tools. And there's other guys that, you know, go and spend it. And I've been never... doing that. I've been investing yeah. it
2: back in myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know. So look, Let's talk about your, your shop. You know, your, the, where you where you do your leather work and yep. you're creating. What does that what does that look like?
2: Right now it's great. Um, my wife and I just got a house last year and I was in my cold ass garage.
3: <laughs> and when I was in
2: Minnesota, man, I would go in on a quick story, I would go into work and my sponge would be frozen in my water thing and I'd have to and my hands would be so <laughs> numb when I was working with leather before. And now I have a shop in the basement. It's the best thing ever. I have a mini fridge. I feel like I've made it. I have a mini fridge in my shop. Mini fridge and it's Got and heat. the cool gri- stickers on it with heat. So, anyways, I have, they're made by Husky. They're these really beautiful metal tables with a wood top. Okay. And I have them set high, obviously, because I'm tall. And I have the stools we're sitting on there, like some big and tall. They're like really nice. So, I have three of those. Uh, we good? I have three of those all side by side on one wall.
0: So you got a pretty good yeah, surface. and then I
2: built two of, like, the ones you can buy where you use a four-by-eight piece of plywood. I built two of those, so I have five tables. Now I have stations set up. I have my main station where I have the marble and all my tools, and that's where I do most of my um, work. Next to that I have my tracing table. I have, like, a more art thing where I have art books and that. The other one is where I just cut. And then the other side by my mini fridge, which is behind me, I have that's where I have projects that I'm working on. I have them laid out so I can constantly look at them, what I'm doing. And yeah. And then I have a little section on like a rolling cart that has both my sanders and my drill press that has my burnisher on it. And that's pretty much what I've got right now. That's what I'm and that's a lot from where I started. That's
0: yeah. Yeah. So total square
2: footage, what would you say? Oh man the size of this room maybe a little smaller maybe like a 20 by 20 or something yeah maybe a little smaller than that but yeah and are
0: you just primarily doing leather work in there or you have you abandoned the painting or you just kind of do the yeah uh something I'm, you want to get back to yeah I mean?
2: i'm getting back into drawing a lot and i forget how much i love that because leather is so it's such a rewarding thing because you create something that's like tangible you can hold where drawings just kind of like a, you know and it's i really love that about leather about, yeah making something special for somebody and sending it to them and them opening the box and them wearing it and it makes them feel good. And that's the best part about being an artist for me. It really is. It's cheesy, but it's true. It's like, yeah. You ever get weirded out when
0: you see somebody using something you made, like you're like, oh my gosh, like uh, you're worried if it's going to hold up or, you know, just uh, when I first saw that was weird for me. I'm like, somebody's actually utilizing and using something. You know what what I
2: call that, especially if they don't know you did it. It's the silent victory. It's the best part about being an artist yeah quick story when i designed a lot of stuff for eric church and i made this whole line of t-shirts i was really proud of and they were selling crazy and i went to one of his shows and to see this was a moment for me and i was in the back and i was watching just to see people like throwing money with their hands to buy the shirts that i designed for someone granted i didn't make any of the money but still it's like just to watch that and be like wow like that's and you see walking mm-hmm. around there's thousands of people wearing something you designed as I call it the silent victory, it's like you take that in and it's, it's the most rewarding part. It's yeah. not ego involved. It's just that it's like, you're like, yeah, I mean, this is really, yeah, it's a very rewarding feeling. You know I mean? It, let's
0: uh, For the listeners that don't know, let's talk about that. So you're not at the moment, full-time leather, yeah. right? It's your,
2: it's kind of a part-time gig. Yeah. I'm doing hobby. kind of back and forth and my business got hit really hard by COVID. The touring industry in general has pretty much been destroyed by the COVID and i'm kind of riding the storm like we were just talking about and what do you call that you, so you make promotional uh, um when bands go on tour i design the backstage passes they wear the merch you buy at the merch booth their backdrops their drum heads anything to do with the tour the signs they use i design and make all of that
0: that's crazy yeah. crazy yeah. so it's a pretty good chance anybody listening at some points ran into some of your art in some way I, yeah yeah which is kind of cool right it is it's it's really but,
2: like you said, due to the whole COVID thing, it's been a... Uh, it's been a rough... I'm, I'm really sad. I mean, it's been hard on the industry, and a lot of good people I know of, it's been really bad. So I'm hoping next year with the election and maybe a vaccine, and I, I hope that it comes back. I'm, I'm very hopeful. Yeah. Like you and I were talking, it's like, can you ride the storm? I know we're going to lose a lot of good people, and it's... And that's... I don't know how to take that. It's kind of...
0: Yeah. I'm not... um. Uh, I'm personally a, kind of an old-school country fan, but I do like uh, Luke Combs, and oh, yeah. I, I follow him on Instagram. And I was just having this conversation with my wife that, you know, he had a tour, I think that was maybe in the spring, and they uh, had canceled it and yeah. rescheduled it for the fall, in which case I believe they now canceled that and rescheduled it next year. And I'm thinking, I don't know who this tour manager or who has to do that, but that has to be the worst yeah. job. How do you, like, the logistics of rescheduling oh – 20 cities or whatever that i mean would that not be a nightmare yeah i, mean, I mean, can't even he, fathom these it.
2: people in the touring industry like even the the crew and like like eric church's tour manager like they work so hard it's the stress is unbelievable i mean i feel that stress because they're stressed when they come to me and they need stuff right i mean i won't lie i mean doing what i in the music it's it's stressful it is like people will come out of nowhere and be like oh i forgot to order stuff the tour just started i need these tomorrow and you're just like so with no art I'll make something <laughs> have it approved and shipped in one day. It's not easy but it can be done. I do it all wow. the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a challenge sometimes. It really is.
0: Yeah, so in a perfect world, you know, that's a 3 month like let's go through oh, the process and get approval yeah. and yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah, I I I just can't imagine that but I think that's you know to the average listener that probably sounds like a pretty unique gig, right? They yeah, don't and know too all many like, people that are
2: people are like, "Oh, you own your own business or in the music industry." I'm like, "Yeah, it's not it's not the '80s anymore, where people are in the back doing cocaine and there's hookers <laughs> everywhere. No, no, you work your ass off. It's yeah. it's not. Everyone works really hard. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's. it's and just, no matter how lucrative,
0: you know, you you go six months, eight months, ten months without income. You know, that's yeah. that whole industry is probably hurt, and I feel feel for him for sure. And
2: not everybody, you know, like I said, it hit me really hard. But we won't dwell on it. I mean, I went through a couple months where I was it's pretty low, and then you're just like. I have these skills and they're just sitting there and I'm, I'm wasting time that I could be creating. And then now I'm getting back. Yeah. Slowly, so. It's coming back. Like I'm getting more revved up and I'm getting into drawing again, which I needed. Cause that's like a, a spiritual thing for me almost like. Yeah. So as you're getting back, you know, just for the listeners,
0: you know, if you want to drop some name, who do you fall? Like, who are you inspired by? you mentioned Aaron, you
2: know, you, you like his work. Who, who else do you? Oh man. In the knife world. Um, There's a lot of makers. I think Sam Lurquin, I just feel like when you were talking about uh, when you hold something and it, it feels like it's from another time, he's one of them. Right. Where I feel like his knife could be in the future or it could be like in Lord of the Rings. or And then there's Cedar Lore Forge. He does swords. He's I can't amazing. pronounce. Oh, my God. Like These guys <laughs> are like at the level where you just like, but then you think they're just like you. It's just they're just so focused on their work there's no outside distractions that they are their work yeah I mean, that's all they are i mean they it's them you know it's i mean not a lot of artists can achieve that it's not an easy thing to do i've i've tried like you always want to make that one piece that you think is just going to be like that's what people will remember you know
0: yeah you ever make a piece and then just not want to sell it or is it pretty easy no, for you to get rid no, of?
2: No, it's it's hard to it's hard to sell.
0: I've i made some there. Where I'm like, oh. I've had a
2: couple of times where I'm like, all right, how many knives do I have to give you so I can keep this? <laughs> you know what I mean? And a lot of times it doesn't work out. Right. And I'll be like, I uh, recently I had a Adam Derosiers come. one of his integrals with, you know, like the full integral with the with the handle like, so it's all one piece of metal. Yeah, yeah. I had never ha- held a knife like that before, and it, it was way out of my price range. Yeah, and I was like, I didn't even want to give up, but I was hell that I did not want to ship that back to the customer. <laughs> it was it amazing. was on my shop, dude. You know, I don't amazing. know what happened to it. It just disappeared, huh? Yeah, it was amazing, man. Yeah, I think I think you know.
0: So you've came a long way, and in, in, you know, listening from where you started to where. What advice would you give to somebody starting out? If somebody came to you and says, you know, I want to I want to start drawing, or I, oh. I would like to be a leather maker. Like, what advice would you give them?
2: um the best thing you can do especially with the drawing let's start with that I mean I draw every day you have to do it every day really I I really I don't see any other way you constantly adapt and an artist like myself where I I do use reference but a lot of times I just draw out of my head because I don't want it's like the more you draw, the more we we're talking about that mind muscle connection. You start to trust yourself and you're yeah. And that's hard. A lot of people are like, I can't draw. Well, if you tell yourself that immediately you're not gonna be able to. I mean let's I mean honestly, I know not everybody can do art, but if people try at things and they don't, they could do a lot. They just don't even try. You know, and that's the problem that I have with people is they just So using the novel example, if I'm gonna
0: write a book and I wake up in the morning and I I tell myself, I gotta be at the Computer every morning at eight o'clock, and I'm gonna write from eight to noon. If you wake up that morning, you're just like "Mm, it's just not hitting me, or I'm just gonna wait until I feel the urge. You're saying you're more likely to feel the urge if you get started than if you wait, which is the truth for a lot of things, right? Like if you wait until you feel like it, chances are you're never gonna feel
2: like. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and then also too, it's like have other creative outlets. So if you're trying to draw and you're frustrated, well, then I work with leather. I know that's me, but or even like trying to make something out of a stick with a knife or there's so many creative things you can do to make your brain constantly move because i feel like everyone's so stagnant with technology and i find it with myself it's like when you watch tv and the way the media is we're not you don't have to get into that but it's so negative and it just it literally just takes the energy out of your body like your brain gets so full of all these things that it doesn't need Mm -hmm. and people don't realize that they're so worried about all this stuff and it's like When you create something and it's like out of nothing, like when you just make stuff, like my son just made he made these animals out of leaves, like he let them on the table and like that. I mean, there's so much things you can do that and it just blew me away, like Yeah. You know, it's such a simple thing, but it's so beautiful and I'm just like, wow, I mean There's so I thought about that too. There's
0: there's so many distractions um in terms of everyday life now. It but I think about like maybe a blacksmith from a couple like They were doing that every day. Like, how skilled were they, right? Like, they had no distractions for the most part. I mean, the conditions were much different. But they were swinging a hammer every day. Every day. Right? And now we see part-time people that are kind of doing it as a hobby. They're pretty skilled and we're thinking, man, that's amazing. You know, I can't help but wonder, like, how good would that person be if he did that every day? If they started
2: when they were, like, in their early teens. Right. And I wish that, too. And it was funny you say this. I was talking to a guy. He's, like, 30. And he owns, like, three houses, and he owns all this land. He's like, yeah, when I was young, I was I was buying property. I was like, why wasn't I smart like that? Yeah, I was worried about getting stoned and eating Taco John's and playing video <laughs> games and shit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> You think it's and, designed that way? Like, if we had the yeah, mental capacity I mean, now when we were 18, oh you know. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he's a smart guy, and I'm like, I didn't even think about that stuff. and yeah. never even crossed my mind.
3: You know? Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, let's take a, a little detour here. I got this okay. little uh, fun game that I, I've – I like to do sometimes, and I call it speed dating. Me and you are not going to go out on a date, but uh, here's the rules. I'm going to ask you a question, and you got to just answer as quick as you can okay. with the first thing that, that comes to mind, right? right so I, I'm a firm believer, and we talked about this earlier, that people like to purchase things from people they like and people they know, right? Yep. And, and there's more to a person than the sheet that they made or whatever. So sometimes we, we like to um, offer them a little bit more about the person. So i got some crazy questions here. Uh, don't give it too much thought. First thing that comes right. to your mind. You ready? Yep. All right, here we go. Hamburger, hot dog, hot dog. Favorite sports team: Raiders. Beach or mountains? Mountains. Big knives, small knives. Big knives. If you didn't live in Minnesota, where would you live? Alaska. Ford or Chevy? Chevy. Blondes or brunettes? Brunettes. Dogs or cats? Dogs. If you had to leave tomorrow morning to vacation anywhere in the world, where would you go? Alaska. Best movie of all time: Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> uh did you play any high school sports uh football and basketball football bag. how many kids two liberal or conservative conservative favorite band acdc have you watched game of thrones yes kimber or sig sig number of siblings none how do you like your hash browns at waffle house well done. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I was, I'm was i pretty impressed with that. You didn't even hesitate. I, I could hardly get the next question out. Very good. Very good. <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, for those that don't know me, I'm originally from Illinois. We never thought about Waffle House, right? And we moved to the South oh, and, and I'm Oof. like, man, do people really eat in there? Like uh, the first time I went in there, I was like, I'm not sure this is sanitary. I'm a big breakfast
2: guy. Are you? Breakfast is, yeah, that's the way to go. I, yeah. I kind of
0: always wanted to be a breakfast. I like breakfast food. All right. But, um, you know, I'm more of a night guy, so you know when I get up in the morning, I'm usually shower, get ready, oh, out the door. Sure, or, you know, I'm not eating much, but um,
2: you know, and then by the time you stop, it's eleven or noon, and it's kind of time for lunch, right? I it's I've been thinking about that, and now that I've had some time off, it's every morning I'm four eggs, two eggs on each bagel with cheese, and a big, and I drink about thirty ounces of water. I know that's a lot, but I'm a big guy, and if I don't eat that. I'm horrible if I if I don't eat, you can ask my wife. I'm like grumpy grunt. I'm I'm back. Grumpy. <laughs> like she'll know when she's downstairs because she'll hear me swearing and, and like you know, it's like that sounds my wife if she doesn't get coffee, She's like, You need to eat and I'm like, Yeah, I need something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she's come to learn, right? And I've gotta eat a big breakfast. I just that way. Nice. I have to. So Nice. So anything else? You know that uh, speed is
0: speed pretty fun. Anything else um, you'd like to share with the listeners? Anything in
2: particular? Um, I I just think that the way things are right now, I am very grateful. I know a lot of other makers are that people, because I know how, t- how hard money is for people right now, people actually ordering stuff for me. I am extremely grateful. I really am because yeah. I've been able to, all the orders I had in the last couple months, I bought all my kids' Christmas presents with it. And, I mean, I it could almost make me cry because it's like to not have to worry about stuff like that. Like, yeah, I worked hard, but it's like I use that money. It's like. It's not like I'm. I don't want people to think it's like it's like it's really what we need it for. It's like right, you know, I'm buying stuff that I need with the money. It's not like it's extra money, you know. It's it's yeah, know, I appreciate it. I do. I really do. Yeah, I and mean,
0: you you gotta feel good that you've been blessed with, you know, a skill set to be able to produce something like I that.
2: Do. But also at the same time, it goes back to I work. Yeah. I mean, you guys see. I mean, if I'm not making leather, I'm drawing, and I do a lot of other stuff, and I'm not handy like my wife. I wish I was you know what's that um i've seen you know i don't know if there's like a draw october
0: or yeah, something ink-tober. inktober or whatever it, is that a special are you drawing those pictures with like a stylus on a plat yeah uh, yeah on a I computer ipad, iPad, iPad yeah. and then and then you can erase it and save changes and ultimately print it out is that how yeah. that works
2: yep what's the name of that what's that uh, called? it's called the pro it's called procreate procreate it's an amazing yeah using app and then with the apple pencil and it's the most intuitive drawing software that i've used everything and it feels like i'm drawing with a pencil like there's no lag it's like super smooth and yeah
0: i've heard of guys using um i I don't think it's that uh, particular program but different programs when they're doing their um, designs and they're doing their templates because now when you make a circle or whatever you you can make it perfectly symmetrical and then you can save it and you it's, know, some people see stuff I, I, I've made or other people have made, and it's embarrassing to say, but sometimes just cutting a, purple, a perfect circle oh, or a one-inch strip is like – It's brutal. It's brutal. Like, yeah. it's harder than you think it would be. Like It's you think hard it,
2: because if the knife moves a little bit and – The leather squishes It's some, uneven, yeah, yeah. Like, the softer belly part of leather is going to squish. Yeah. No, it, it's hard. Leather, it's hard. It's embarrassing to, the same, it to is, admit, but it it's true, is. right? <laughs> I think my – the one pet peeve of mine, and it happens sometimes, especially when I would, was sewing more by hand – I'd always get that one fricking hole that would go out more. I can never just have a back of a sheath just be perfect. (laughs) God, is that, that is the worst thing. Yeah. But you're like, I'm not going to remake it. It's like some people would just throw it away and remake it. I'm not like that because if it bothers a customer, I'll just take some money off. Yeah. I'm just not because it's kind of like with, I've been like pretty (sighs) anal. I
0: guess you would say when I mess up something, but The message you oftentimes hear is the average person doesn't even notice it, right? Like, you know every single stitch and every – when you make anything with your hands, right, you know it in depth. Like, you know everything pretty intimately about anything that might have went wrong. And sometimes I'll stew on that, you know, don't worry about the other 99% that turned out perfect. I'm stuck on that one stitch that – especially when you're talking sheets specifically, there's a leap of faith there because I haven't heard of a method yet where you can line it up and – perfectly you know for the longest time I, I i will push halfway through and then i'll take it
2: all and i'll, I'll go by hand that's just probably the one way to do it it's the only way to I ensure know. that it
0: comes out I right know. and sometimes there you're protruding through the leather a yeah. little bit and you're pulling it back it's
2: um you know people use drill press or whatever but if it's not perfectly flat yeah. you know it can i used to use a drill press and i just used a, a a sail needle like a bigger sail needle and i just polished the tip of it yeah on the sander and i buffed it And that's good because it burnishes the hole as it's putting through the leather, so you don't get those big kind of gaudy holes. Yeah. But there again, you said if you're if anything at all is not and it'll go off, just it doesn't even matter. It's like yeah.
0: Yeah. And for me, there's especially for a uh, project that's really turning out the way I I envisioned. Yeah. The farther along you get in the process, the more nervous you get, right? Because you're like, it's so perfect, it's so perfect. Yeah. And you're just, you know, I don't want to think negative, but you're like, if something was to go wrong now, like it would. How many hours is it? You know, it's not like you just start on this 30 minutes ago and like, well, I'll just restart. It's like sometimes you have hours in the project. I'm going to
2: say to any leather work worker out there working, and this is something that I learned. Aaron did teach me this. Get a cobbler's hammer. You know what a cobbler's yeah, hammer is? Yeah, got one. That for putting your stitches down, the leather gently. And also when you glue things together, you don't need to use clamps. A cobbler's hammer, done right, that adheres the, the contact cement perfect. Yeah. To me, all that stuff that the class people do, it's its a lot of necessary steps you don't have to take. I'm not saying you can't do it that way. Of course you can. Yeah. But I've found, and like I said, Aaron did teach me this, the cobbler's hammer, it is the most indispensable tool that I have. Like, I use it for everything. Nice. That was so, my question.
0: What, what was your go-to tool? And I've, I i definitely understand what you're saying because I've had where you've clamped something and, you know, it tweaks like a small taco sheath or something. It can totally tweak it totally. or, you know, deform it in some way.
2: In a hard part, too, if you've got, like, a harness leather and it's thick, you know, just a little bit of sponge water on the underneath and gently take that cobbler hammer. You can gently mold that into shape without putting the creases in it. You just have to be very patient. Yeah. And that's the other thing. It's like, you know, you forget it's it used to be a living thing. I mean, it's like a real, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, and that's the reason why I started using Herman Oak is because it's the the tanning process. It's very clean. The backs are clean. Yeah. And it's great because you can make it inside of a sheath, you can dye it, put some tan coat on it, and then you don't got to worry about the dye rub on anything. And, you know,
0: yeah. Yeah. When I first got started, I'd see some sheath. I'm like, how did they get that so smooth? I didn't realize they were starting with a little better product than what I. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. And I've seen some people, I've had some conversations with some artists who who are really putting together a really nice product, um, but financially, they're not to the point where they can spend the money and and they're using just subpar materials. I'm like, look. You, you sold that for $60. That's really a $200 deal. Absolutely. But you, you just need a $50 more better piece than what you got or whatever, you know. So, um, you know, sometimes people just don't want to – they'd rather make their errors on the cheaper stuff, right, I guess. Yeah. That's what they're thinking. Yeah. And
2: everybody goes through that to some level. You can always start out that way, but when you're starting to make a sheath for – if someone sends you a $2,000 knife, you're not going to use, the you know, that kind of leather on it. Right. I mean, you can, but it's – yeah.
3: It's
0: not recommended, right? No. <laughs> So, you know, we talked about knife sheets. We talked about some notebooks. So
2: um, in the future, you know, uh, what can people expect to see from you? I can tell you, thanks to my wife, and I was inspired by you, I ordered some eggplant purple leather. I'm going to make a tote bag. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) My wife is great with a sewing machine, and I'm going to teach her how to use the Cobra. And she makes a lot of stuff now with her Singer machine. And she wanted to make a bag, and so we're going to do that. And I just started making wallets. I made them a little too big. I tend to overbill things. That's how I am. Yeah. It's like I just like things to be really meaty and, like, I don't know. I just yeah. want you to grab, to hit your sheath and be like, you know that it's going to be there. But anyway, so I'm learning how to work a little more delicate, and that's been hard for me.
3: Yeah.
2: Um. Well, I like that you're venturing out. You know,
0: I,
3: the yeah. longest
2: joke for me was all my friends are out
0: making manly stuff, and I'm in here <laughs> making purses, you um, know. But uh, I like to mix it up, too. You get bored making the same do, stuff, right?
2: Do. Yeah. She have been hard, and I'm going to go back to – I'm going to do a run of the journals because journals is where my real passion is. I, I feel like, like you said, like yeah, I want to make just all individual journals, I think is what I'm going to do for a while, where I'm going to do a theme. I'm going to do a drawing in the journal, and I'm going to sell them all as like a package. You know awesome. I mean? so yeah. And I hope people will buy that. I don't know if people will, but I'm going to do it. I think so, they definitely will. So why not? I mean, it's –
0: so that's uh, some stuff we can look forward to. I'm definitely looking forward to. If, if people want to
2: acquire your work, where would they go? Uh, Spirit of the Bear Instagram, Spirit of the Bear Design. Um, I don't have a website yet, which I'm working on. And I promise people that are ordering for me, I'm getting a stamp. I'm going to start stamping my work. <laughs> nice. And I'm going to – I've got a couple T-shirt designs. I'm also working with other designers. I mean, not designers, sorry, makers. Uh, I'm working with Fred DePetri at DePetri Forge. I'm making some T-shirt designs for him. I've got a lot of stuff that I'm working on with people. I like to stay busy, and I love – if you're a maker and, you know, you think I could help you, I like helping people out that are – I want makers to succeed, I really do, because that in turn helps the leather worker if knife makers succeed. Right. You know, I love this industry, and, and I just, you know, I want to see it thrive. And with the economy the way it is, I'm surprised that it's doing as good as it is.
3: Yeah. I don't awesome. know what
2: you've seen, but, I mean, it's
0: – Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I'm – I'm, um, encouraged by what I'm seeing, yeah. you know, people are still supporting people. Uh, you know, I've known to some people that are purchasing things they probably otherwise wouldn't purchase, but they, you know, now's the time to support them and, and yeah. they're trying to keep them.
2: Um, yeah. you know, they know, and they we really do appreciate need. that. I mean, we know people are doing that and it's, it's awesome. So awesome.
0: Well, i um, we'll wrap it up here right. with Michael Spanish. I appreciate your time, Michael. Yeah. If, like you said, if you want to uh, see or find um, some of Michael's work, you can find him on Instagram, Under Spirit of the Bear
2: Bear Design, and then uh, Michael Spanger's Facebook. Message me or hit me up if you want me. I'll talk to you about a project, and if I can do it, I will, and if I can't, I'll find someone that will.
0: Awesome. All right. Appreciate it, Michael. Thank you. You bet.